Hello and welcome to Made to Measure, the podcast of the Journal of Trading Standards. I'm Paul Evans. In this week's episode, we speak to Ian Hillier, CTSI Lead Officer for Petroleum and Explosives. It's an area in which Ian has more than 30 years of experience, having begun his career in the laboratory as a research chemist before joining Trading Standards and setting out into the field of enforcement. Today, Ian lends his expertise to others in the profession, with a particular focus on ensuring that hazardous substances such as fuel and fireworks are stored safely and correctly. He takes us through the relevant legislation designed to protect both consumers and the environment when it comes to petroleum, and explains the importance of preventing fireworks from getting into the wrong hands. He kicks things off by giving us a brief overview of his role and explaining how he came to work in trading standards in the first place. My name is uh, Ian Hillier. I'm a consultant trading standards officer and I am the Petroleum Explosives Lead Officer for CTSI. So, Ian, can you tell us a bit about what the Petroleum and Explosives Lead Officer role involves? It involves looking at what is about to happen in the future with the Petroleum and Explosives legislation and to advise CTSI of of any future developments. And how did you get into trading standards in the first place? Why did you gravitate towards Petroleum and Explosives specifically? I started off as a research chemist with the Ministry of Agriculture, Fishes and Food, as it was then. And I got talking to and became friends with some of the sampling officers who worked for trading standards. It was a bit of the grass is greener on the other side. I I much preferred what they were doing to what I was doing. And so I I, I changed from from analysing the samples that were coming in to collecting the samples and uh, becoming a trading standards officer. I, I was stuck in a laboratory all day long. It sounded a much more exciting job to be out and about as a trading standards officer, so I changed sides. I had previously been employed uh, in the explosives industry as well, so that, that gave me a, a background. Now, there's obviously superficial similarities between petroleum and explosives in terms of the hazards they present, but they're quite different when it comes to how they're sold and their purposes. Why, why have the two been grouped together and does that create challenges in itself? Yeah, they, they are different, but if you think about it, petrol and explosives are, are the, the, the two most dangerous things that you can you can buy in, in a shop without any sort of licence or anything like that. Uh, explosives I'm talking about, it's fireworks. But the, the main thing that they're lumped together is that uh, the, the legislation behind them is the Health and Safety at Work Act. And that is different from most of the work that Trading Standards does and the Consumer Protection Act. So the storage of petrol and the storage of explosives are both required or or used to require a licence, which the licence was actually administered by the local government and usually Trading Standards departments. So again, the two were lumped together. So just to clarify then, really, when it comes to explosives, we're talking about fireworks specifically rather than things which might be used in industrial applications like mining rather than for sale to the general public. Oh, oh yes. Mining and uh, what is now called a, an explosive precursor, which means any chemical that can be used to, to make explosives. It's turned around. It used to be that uh, the seller required a, li- a license to sell the goods. This was known as a poisons license. And that was administered by local government trading standards and and many local authorities. But the government has changed that now to the the person 
buying the poison, buying the, the explosive precursor, needs to have a license. So they've they've, they've turned. So it's the a- actual person purchasing uh, dangerous goods that, that needs a license now. And obviously, that doesn't apply to fireworks. To fireworks, no, they're the exception to it when it, when it comes to explosives. They're the main explosives that, that uh, ordinary members of the public can buy. And the age restriction on buying fireworks is 18, is that right? 18 for, for what's called uh, adult fireworks. And uh, there's, a, there's a, another age of 16 for less less dangerous fireworks. And it's 12 for Christmas crackers. And what about other things like cap guns, for example? Well, cap, cap guns were, were taken out of explosives uh, legislation and they've, uh, they've been put into toy safety legislation. The sort of age for that, it, it's up to the manufacturer, but it's usually about eight to, to buy toy caps for a gun. But they're no, they're no longer considered to be dangerous explosives in any way. So with petrol, what are the most commonly applicable pieces of legislation when it comes to enforcing the law? Well, the the main uh, legislation, as I say, is the Health and Safety at Work Act, and petrol stored by a consent procedure by local authorities uh, under the petro- petroleum consolidation regulations, and uh, the same sort of regulations are the explosives regulations for the storage of fireworks, etc. With regards to petroleum, how much of your role is focused on making sure people are getting the correct amount at the pumps, i.e. metrology, as opposed to examining the actual nature of the fuel being sold? It doesn't fall under my remit in that uh, it's fully covered by the the weights and measures lead officers. Uh, The the, the mere fact it's petrol, you know, is no different from from anything else uh, as as far as... uh, as far as as that's concerned, it's highly controlled, highly regulated, uh, and as I say, the the weights and measures side is is covered by the weights and measures lead officers. And what about when it comes to the actual substance of what's being sold? Do you carry out inspections on what's coming out of the pumps to ensure it isn't contaminated, for example? Yeah, we would normally only step in to take samples if if there was a complaint about contaminated fuel. Uh, there was a case in 2007 in the southeast of England where thousands of cars were affected by contaminated fuel, and I I led the the, the press liaison on that, and uh, we managed to get that sorted in a fairly short time, about seven days or something like that. Uh, there was an intensive amount of work done on sampling and having the uh, the samples analysed almost instantly because it was such a such a problem at the time that was sorted and uh, and it was dealt with by compensation and then the company concerned was prosecuted later on what types of contamination do you encounter presumably if fuels being stored incorrectly it has the potential to get mixed up with other things including other types of fuel it tends to be that that people put the wrong fuel into their car and they, they have that sorted out by the garage itself or by one of the motoring organizations it's not something that the trading standards uh, tends to get involved in. It's usually just people not thinking what they're doing and, and putting their wrong goes into the into their car. Uh, the other sort of contamination can be that groundwater can get into a petrol tank and uh, to a certain extent mix with the, the petrol, although petrol and water doesn't normally mix, but occasionally water can get sucked up and... Uh, 
people tend to find that out within 100 metres of leaving a petrol station and their car grinds to a halt. That doesn't happen too often now either. Modern modern petrol stations have got uh, water contamination uh, meters and that type of thing. And what about cases of fuel being deliberately missold? Things like agricultural diesel being sold to regular consumers, for example. It doesn't often happen. It it tends to be if if it is done, it's it, it's done with the the knowledge of the the consumer or, or a particular class of consumers. And uh, they they would obviously not be reporting the matter because they're uh, they're involved in the fraud themselves. It tends to be the so-called agricultural red diesel that uh, that's a problem. But HMRC have got a number of of vans, uh, mobile units that they can go around the, the country and uh, and uh, stop and, and and take samples of of diesel, and uh, they can they can test it instantly, and they can tell immediately if it's fraudulent or not. Now, you mentioned HMRC. How much does your work overlap with that of other agencies, both with regards to petrol and explosives? There's quite a lot. uh, I mean, I I don't deal with them on a daily basis, but I could deal with them if there's a problem. Uh, BEIS uh, are responsible for the the safety of the fireworks that are sold to the public. And uh, all all fireworks have to be CE marked at the moment. Uh, and they they're responsible for that. Uh, as I say, the health and safety executive they're they're responsible for the storage licenses for fireworks stores and explosive stores. Also under the petroleum consolidation regulations, uh, local authorities have to give consent to the the storage for sale of petrol. The environment agency and the devolved agencies and the and, and the, the devolved governments they look after any any sort of spills of petrol where it gets into the the water system. So if if a if a garage, say for instance, has a problem with a leak in a petrol tank and it gets into the, the groundwater, then the environment agency would be called in to, to look into that. The fire and rescue services, it's not all trading standards that that, that uh, license explosives and, and look after the consent for, for stories of petrol. The six metropolitan counties do that instead of trading standards. And some trading standards services realise that this is a very difficult area and uh, they allow the, the local fire service to do the job for them. Now, you're based in Scotland. Does the approach to enforcement differ there from the rest of the UK? In Scotland, it's all local government that deals with both petroleum and explosives. The fire, the fire brigade are not involved in it as such, although... What tends to happen is that we, we keep the fire brigade informed of, of, of everything that, that we know about petroleum stores and uh, what we know about uh, explosive stores as well. Yes, we work closely with the fire brigade. Do you notice much difference in compliance between smaller and larger companies? Bigger companies can, can cause a problem as well. In fact, Tesco in July 2014 were responsible for a, a leak of 23 and a half thousand litres of petrol in Lancashire got into the River Irwell and killed 95% of the aquatic life in the River Irwell. Uh, On the 16th of June 2017, they were fined £8 million. £5 million for uh, the petrol spill under health and safety at work and £3 million for the environmental damage that they did. 
So this was a joint investigation by Trading Standards and the Environment Agency. And as I say, it resulted in a total fine of £8 million. I don't know if there's been any higher fine than that in, in Trading Standards history, but I'd be surprised if, if there was. Now, obviously, leaks are things that companies would be very keen to avoid, not just out of fear of being fined, but because they don't want to lose their petrol. Petrol's too expensive for people to deliberately want to to lose any of it. And petrol stations now, uh, I mean, there, there are there are fewer petrol stations now than there were, say, 10 years ago. And uh, they, they tend to have more equipment for, for checking to make sure that they're, they're not losing any petrol. How much of your job involves going out into the field to investigate businesses versus being office-based? And has that changed over the years? Recently, I'm more sitting at a desk behind a computer, yes. I do get out and about to a certain extent. Uh, I was invited by the Balkan state of, of Georgia to, to go to their capital city, Tbilisi, in November to uh, spend two weeks ad- advising their uh, surveillance authorities on how to deal with explosives. And uh, that was a very interesting experience, so I did get out and about then. Now, the, the, the cuts have had a hugely detrimental effect on trading standards over the past decade. What's been your experience of that, and has it led to any changes in how you approach enforcement? Well, the, the main problem has been, yeah, yes, there have been massive cuts, as we all know, in, in, in trading standards, but uh, it tends to be that many trading standards departments used to have a, a specialised petroleum and explosives officer, uh, as uh, as they have retired, they've not been replaced, and uh, there's not the same degree of expertise as there used to be. Generally speaking, then, what what proportion of the businesses you encounter make genuine efforts to be compliant with the law versus ones that deliberately flout it with little regard for consumer safety? And do you come across many repeat offenders? Luckily enough, uh, with both petrol and explosives. Because they're under, with the explosives, a licensing system, and with petrol, a consent system. If somebody's a persistent offender, then the license can be taken away and the consent can be withdrawn. That acts as a very good deterrent to anybody who wants to persistently break any regulations, any safety regulations. I know that from my own experience now is that we we used to in the, in the run up to the fireworks season of of uh, Guy Fox night. We used to uh, check every every single explosive store. Uh, we simply don't have the staff to do that, and many of the smaller authorities. So the, the we'd only visit ones that where there had been problems in the past, or in any new entrance into into the industry would would be visited and advised on how to comply fully with the regulations. So that's that's a more intelligent way of of doing things. Rather than just visiting everybody, those days have gone now. So obviously November's a busy time. Oh, yes. In the run-up to November the 5th, you know, a month or six weeks before it, I can be inundated with press inquiries, you know, about what trading standards does. And and any time there's a change in legislation, of course, I have to deal with a lot of press inquiries. Do you think Brexit's likely to have any impact in this area? I don't think it will have a huge impact. Certainly nothing for the first year, and then we'll. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I I can't see a huge difference. Petrol sold by massive multinational companies. They're not going to do anything. You know, anything much to to change that. And fireworks has been heavily regulated since I think eighteen. Well, for for many many years, but the 
there's one act still in force, the 1875 Explosives Act. So it's, that's been he- heavily regulated for many years. It's not as if it's anything new, even though there's a, there's a change in our, sta- our, our status as a as a, a country. It shouldn't make any difference to the, the safety or the or the the way we we deal with uh, dangerous substances. And what about changes caused by technology and new consumer habits? Have you come across fireworks being sold online at all? We have heard of uh, fireworks being sold online, and that's very, very difficult to police, as you know, if they're coming from outside the country, and they're being they're being sent by post, and uh, they're being misdescribed to the the postal authorities. It's very, very difficult to 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 deal with that. Yeah, there's nothing much that I I can do about that personally, except to advise people that that this this can happen. It's a difficult area, very difficult for for all sorts of dangerous substances, not just not just fireworks. And what about fireworks being sold illegally on the black market? Yeah, so out the back of a van, you you do tend to to hear about these these things round about, as I say, Guy Fox night round about then the early days of of November. Uh, some people take a risk and uh, go over to the continent and, and bring back a van load of, of fireworks that uh, they might be able to get cheaper over there and sell them here. Uh, wh- one of the regulations about explosives is that all the instructions must be in English. So anybody, anybody buying fireworks that, that, that have the instructions in a foreign language, then they're, they're not up to our standard. What about fireworks that are illegal, no matter how they're being sold? A, a number of Fireworks have been banned completely for sale to the public. They're known as Category F4 fireworks. They can only be sold to professionals and only used by professionals. And we have no have no knowledge of them getting into the hands of the public. They, they are extremely dangerous and can kill. Over the years, we've seen two, two different types of fireworks that cause a problem. Those that are very dangerous, and as I say, we've taken them out of the market by uh, calling them professional use only fireworks and then fireworks that, that that caused a nuisance have all been banned as well if you can remember many years ago there was fireworks called bangers that just all, all they did was make a, a loud bang they, they were banned many years ago fireworks with erratic flight patterns that could uh, could perhaps uh, take somebody's eye out from from a distance they've been banned as well so the fireworks that we have in sale now are as safe as as a dangerous substance like explosives can possibly be. Well, finally then, do you have any key pieces of advice you'd like to share with others in trading standards who become involved in a case that involves petrol or explosives? Are there any useful resources or tips you can share? There is a group called the Petroleum Enforcement Liaison Group, and they, they work closely with the Health and Safety Executive and uh, and various fire brigades as well, fire services, and they produce guidance notes on anything new that's coming up in petrol, and they they tend to be because because it's the same sort of thing. They they would tend to know about explosives as well. And anybody with with a problem and they can't find an answer to it can contact me, and many people do. I've got over thirty years' experience in in enforcing both petrol and explosives, so I can usually find an answer or put you know put them in the in the right direction. But I'm always open to anybody giving me a phone or sending me an email and I'll help them as best I can or put them into into the hands of somebody who can help them. And that's it for another episode. Thanks to Ian Hillier for talking to us and thank you for listening. 
We'll be back again soon with more from the world of trading standards. If you have any ideas or suggestions for the podcast or you just want to get in touch, send us an email to madetomeasure at jtsmag.uk. Don't forget to like and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening to us. Until next time, goodbye.